Well, hey guys, thanks so much for tuning into the Harbor Teaching Podcast. We hope that the messages you will hear are both uplifting and challenging. And now, welcome to the Harbor. How are you guys doing? So good. Guys, were you depressed last week when you left? I heard, nobody said no. Um, just throwing that out. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump in, okay? God, we just come before you. We thank you for this night. We thank you for this time to come together and worship. God, a time to come together and go through your word. We pray that you would speak tonight, that you would move, um, that tonight would just be a night of solid fellowship, and uh, that we would glorify you. We give it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week I left you hanging like a total dirtbag, right? I was like, ah, next week you'll find out what the Lord said. Sorry, not sorry. Um, I know that we hit some heavy things last week, and I looked out, and I I promise you, I saw a lot of this. (laughs) And then, like, when I said jokes, I swear people's faces were like, I don't know, should I laugh? Can I laugh? I don't know. You can laugh, I promise. So for those of you who braved the storm and came back out, thanks for coming out. We're grateful that you're here. Um, Tonight, we are going to find out what the Lord said to Job. I broke it into three parts tonight. The first part will be God's response to Job and Job's very short response to the Lord. Um, Second, I'm going to break down how and why we suffer. And then third, we are going to do a discussion panel with a couple of our people. So uh, just buckle up a little bit. We're going to dive on in. So we are in Job 38. If you have a Bible and you want to turn there, Job 38. Um, So the last like 37 chapters it seems like the Lord has been absent, right? Like, it's been a lot of, like, people talk back and forth, but the Lord hasn't really said anything. But if you remember last week, at the end, Elihu basically says, like, all these things and ends it with, uh, I see the Lord coming in a whirlwind or a storm. And so this is where we pick up. So verse 38 is already up there. It says, Then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind, Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Brace yourself like a man, because I have some questions for you, and you have to answer them. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me, if you know so much, who determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line? What supports its foundations, and who laid its cornerstone as the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? Who kept the sea inside its boundaries as it burst from the womb and as I clothed it with clouds and wrapped it in thick darkness? Verse 10, for I locked it behind barred gates, limiting its shores. I said, this far and no farther will you come. Here, your proud waves must stop. Have you ever commanded the morning to appear and caused the dawn to rise in the east? Have you made daylight spread to the ends of the earth to bring an end to the night's wickedness? As the light approaches the earth, listen to this, this imagery. As the light approaches, the earth takes shape like clay pressed beneath a seal. It is robed in brilliant colors. The light disturbs the wicked and stops the arm that is raised in violence. Have you explored, I threw this in here for us Floridians, have you explored the springs from which the seas come? Have you explored their depths? Do you know where the gates of death are located? Have you seen the gates of utter doom? Do you realize the extent of the earth? Tell me if you know about it. So I I don't know about you guys, 
But if I was Job in this moment, I probably would have peed myself and just fallen face forward on the ground and like, I'm unworthy. Does anybody get that joke? I'm unworthy. Anyway, um, so last week, if you remember, I talked about how the book of Job is a lot of poetry and it's a lot of rhetorical questions, right? And so you, you see in this text that I just read that there's a lot of both of that. There's a lot of poetry and there's a lot of rhetorical questions. So obviously the Lord knew that Job had not, could not, would not do these things, but obviously he's asking rhetorically to make a point. Does anybody want to take a guess at what his point is? Anybody? Anybody? All right, well, I would say I am God and you are not. So chapters 38 and 39 are chock full of these rhetorical questions. And honestly, for me, it hurts to read through them. I would say it hurts because it can almost feel like he's asking us, right? Like if you stop for a moment and you think about questions that you have journaled or asked or yelled or cried out in a moment of suffering or despair, it can feel like he's asking us. Chapter 40, verse 1, Then the Lord said to Job, Do you still want to argue with the Almighty? You are God's critic, but do you have the answers? Ouch. Verses three through five. Then Job replied to the Lord, I am nothing. How could I ever find the answers? I will cover my mouth with my hand. I have said too much already. I have nothing more to say. Personally, I think that was wisdom on Job's part to just shut his mouth. But God was not done yet. Verses six through 10. Then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. Brace yourself like a man. Okay, now this is the second time he said this. And I would be so stressed out. I'd be like sweating bullets. Like, okay, I'm trying. Um, Brace yourself like a man because I have some questions for you and you must answer them. Will you discredit my justice and condemn me just to prove that you are right? Are you as strong as God? Can you thunder with a voice like his? All right, put on your glory and splendor, your honor and majesty. I mean, Job is sitting among the ashes. He's covered in boils. He's scraping himself with clay pots. He has nothing. Clearly, he has no glory, splendor, splendor honor, or majesty. That's a, that's a harsh rhetorical question. Then the Lord goes on to describe these amazing creatures that he's created You can read about it. They're talking about hippos and crocodiles. Some people say dinosaurs, but I'll digress. Um, So throughout that text, he's making the point again, can you do this? No, you can't. And in chapter 42, Job responds. He responds to the Lord. And the latter part of this kind of gets me a little bit. He says, I know that you can do anything and no one can stop you. You asked, who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorance? It is I. And I was talking about things I knew nothing about. Things far too wonderful for me. You said, listen, I will speak and I have some questions for you and you must answer them. This is the part. Job says, I had only heard about you before, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. I take back everything I said, and I sit in the dust and ashes to show my repentance. 
that just gets me. I had only heard about you before. Like how many of us in this room, if the Lord showed up, would we be like, oh, I've only heard about you. I haven't experienced you. Now with this, the dialogue ended for the most part. It doesn't quite go on to say how it ended, what went on, but it does wrap up the story of Job and his life. Verse 7 says, After the Lord had finished speaking to Job, he said to Eliphaz the Temanite, I am angry with you and your two friends, for you have not spoken accurately about me as my servant Job has. So take seven bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job and offer a burnt offering for yourselves. My servant Job will pray for you and I will accept his prayer on your behalf. I will not treat you as you deserve, for you have not spoken accurately about me as Job has. So Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuite, and Zophar the Namathite did as the Lord commanded them, and the Lord accepted Job's prayer. The Lord accepted Job's prayer. And then he restored Job's fortunes. The Lord blessed Job with literally twice the amount of livestock that he had before. He gave him seven more sons and three more daughters. Verses 16 through 17 say that Job lived 140 years after that. After that. That's crazy. Living to see four generations of his children and grandchildren. And it's just, it's so funny. Like, this is such a long, detailed story, and it's wrapped up so succinctly. Then he died an old man who had lived a long, full life. It was very long, very full. Now, it's a beautiful ending, right? We know that his fortune and family were restored, but in some, and in some ways doubled. Personally, I, I don't think that that fully eased his grief. I'm sure it was a relief, but he still lost so much, and he lost so much time. You can replace livestock, but you cannot replace your children. In the end, God is still good, right? And so for us, like I pray that during our times of suffering, when we come through it on the other end, we can still say God is still good. Now, we're going to move into the second part and talk about why we suffer. This is a hard question. Like, I don't think anybody wants to be the person up here talking about this, right? Um, it is the age-old question, the question that has caused so many people to turn their back on God and walk away. And it's the very same reason that Job struggled, right? God didn't act in the ways that Job thought God would and should behave. Because here's the thing. We live in a society that talks about living your best life. God wants to give you all the things. If you just believe it, you'll receive it. I just threw that one in there. Um, and while God does indeed want good things for us, it's throughout Scripture it doesn't mean that we're never going to walk through struggle or suffering. That doesn't mean we are going to be rich or we're not going to be rich. We may not even be hot, right? We, we may not have healthy bodies. And consider all the things that the disciples went through, right? If you've been around here a while, you know the things that disciples have went through. Or even the old dead guys that we talked about last year. The things that they walked through. The disciples, they physically tangibly walked with Jesus 
and they still suffered. This doesn't mean that we're never going to be in need. Um, it's just life. So here are a few reasons why we as humans suffer. Now, I, I told Brian this. I sat in the commons yesterday and had a conversation with a wonderful woman who's going to hear this. Shout out to you. Um, and we had a long conversation about this because I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I have these points, but I'm nervous to share them. And she's like, do it. It's truth, and God is the final authority. Just do it. So the first one, sometimes we suffer because of God himself. That one's a hard one to swallow, isn't it? If you read through scripture, you can see places where the Lord has allowed, he has permitted suffering, and obviously Job is an example of that. Um, in Luke 22, Peter, Satan has requested to sift the disciples, Peter especially, and he wants to sift them to see what they're made of. The Lord allows it, and Jesus prays for them, just like Jesus prays for us while he is seated at the right hand of God, right? He says, I pray for you. There are examples in the Old Testament where the Lord actually did cause suffering um, as a result of judgment. So the biggest example that all of us know about is in Exodus, when he's like, let my people go. And Pharaoh's like, no, I'm not going to do it. And so the Lord's like, all right, well, here you go. And he sends plagues. That's his judgment, and people suffered. And then the third one under God is that discipline can feel like suffering. Am I right? Hebrews 12, 3 through 11. This says, think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given up your lives in the struggle against sin. And you, have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Who ever heard of a child who is never disciplined by his father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all his children, it means that you are illegitimate and you are not really his children at all. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will also be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained this way. Now, this might be hard for you to wrap your mind around. Maybe if you didn't grow up with a father figure or the father figure you did grow up with was distant or even abusive. So consider Romans 8. I think a lot of us know this. It says, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? For I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Something to keep in mind. Now the second reason we suffer, the rest are shorter. That one's just long because it's so intense. The second reason we suffer is the adversary, also known as Satan, also called spiritual warfare. The Bible tells us that humans weren't the only ones to rebel and fall. 
right? But there were angels who did so, and the most well-known one is Lucifer, Satan. John 10.10 says that the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but that Jesus has come to give us life and life abundant. Now, we saw spiritual attack last week with Job. The enemy's goal was to attack him and get him to curse God. But Job stood fast, or should I say, sat fast. Uh, Number three, thank you, thank you. Uh, We suffer, and, and this one I really drive home a lot. We suffer because we live in a fallen world. The whole world was cursed and is fallen and suffers because of human rebellion. Human sin resulted in disease, decay, and death across all of creation. So perfect creation was stained and broken by our sin. We live in an imperfect and fallen world where diseases kill and disasters happen. Lots of suffering happens because we live in an imperfect fallen world. Now, for me, like I don't, I I shared my story last week, and I don't think that I'm sick because of any sin or spirit. I've prayed about it, you know, I've questioned it, like, what's happening? But I think that I am sick because the Lord has allowed it, and because we live in a fallen, broken world. And each of us, we all dwell in these bodies that break down daily, whether or not you know it, it's happening. We also, especially as Floridians, we experience hurricanes. You know, people experience tsunamis. There was a warning in Alaska yesterday because there was an earthquake. Thankfully, it didn't happen. And then earthquakes, all these things are a result of a broken world. And suffering can and will ensue. Number four, this is also a hard one. We can suffer because of others' sin. I'm sure you can think of at least one time in your life when you suffered because of someone else's sin. Maybe it was something as small as like your sibling doing something and blaming it on you and you get in trouble. And I say small because sometimes it's not that small. Or it could be be something as intense as a car crash. Or maybe you were assaulted. And those things were not your fault, but you have suffered because of it. In these moments, when you think about that, when you think about suffering because of somebody else's sin, I'm grateful that we serve a God who will one day make all the wrong things right. It's also a little bit scary because we've all sinned too, right? And we may never see justice on the earth, but one day justice will come. Justice will happen. And then our last one, we often suffer because we bear the consequences of our own sin. Ouch. So our God is sovereign, right? And he's given us free will, so that gives us opportunity to sin. We can choose to love God or we can hate him. We can follow him or ignore him, obey him or disobey him. Free will is what makes us fully human and it's also what makes evil possible. So God could be, you know, this great puppeteer in the sky. He could make us obey and he could eliminate all evil and suffering that it brings, but then we wouldn't be fully human. C.S. Lewis wrote a book called The Problem of Pain. I think I quote C.S. Lewis every time I teach. 
He's my favorite, and this is my favorite book by him. He said, try to exclude the possibility of suffering which the order of nature and existence of free wills involve, and you will find that you have excluded life itself. So if God was a puppeteer, he could eradicate suffering, but we would love only because we have to, not because we choose to. God gave us free will so that we could choose to love him, and he just he knew that we, we might not. We can do right or wrong, but we have to choose wisely because we will um, often suffer the consequences of our own sin. So no one, no one on earth, nobody, not even like the best pastor in the world like Brian, could fully explain suffering or why certain things happen. We, in fact, get no clear answers. But the question remains, is God still good? So I'm going to say this. In regards to the things that we walk through, God will always somehow use something in it for our good and his glory. As we learned last week, I'm not going to tell you that in a moment of suffering. I'm not going to be like, oh, your dad died. God's going to use it for good. That is horrible. I was debating on whether or not to tell this story. I'm going to tell this story. It was part of the conversation I had yesterday. Debbie was saying, you know, when people say things like this in a minute of suffering, a moment of suffering, our response is not always going to be perfect, right? We're Christ followers, but we are also human. Last week, I talked about touching the antenna, aren't I? Last week, I talked about how my grandfather died. I'll never forget. The night of the funeral, I'm standing in their living room. My grandma's in the back changing. I'm waiting to say goodbye because I'm coming back to Florida. And I'm just wrecked. Like, I don't know about you guys. Up until that point, and since that point, I have never watched anybody die, let alone somebody I love. And it messed me up. And I'm standing there with a few of my family members, and somebody gets a text, and they share it. And I know that I know that their intentions were so good in sharing it. But the text itself, I almost lost Jesus in me. Basically, the text said, God ordained this to happen the way that it happened, and you should rejoice. And I um, kind of lost my mind in that moment. I'm pretty good at containing things like that. So I stopped for a minute, and I let them finish, and I said, I don't believe that at all. I do not believe that the God I serve said, Dale Milburn is going to get pancreatic cancer. They're going to put a stent in his bile duct that's going to get infected and cause him to have sepsis, and that's what's going to kill him, and his whole family's going to watch. He did not ordain that. I think he allowed it. But God is not a sadist. We have to be wise the things that we say, right? And I can look back and I can see how God used it for my good in his glory. I didn't think I was going to cry. So Elizabeth Elliot says that suffering is never for nothing. I don't know about you guys, but I agree with that. Obviously, in the moment, we don't believe that. Obviously, in the moment, it's, 
it's not something that we think about, but the book of Job challenges us because it's difficult, and in that it shows both the immense power and mystery of the God of this universe. It reminds us that we are not in control, and that's what we have to wrestle with. We're not in control. So now that I've made you guys cry again, I'm going to call up Brian and TJ and Judith, and we're going to move into our panel discussion. Um, I, it's one thing to hear from me for two weeks, like, I've got a story, but there are other people in this room who have a story as well, and I think it's important for us to hear their stories and how the Lord worked in and through it. Um, just over here. So I'm not going to sit down because I'm still broken. Um, just right there is good. Anywhere. I just want them to see your beautiful faces. So TJ, since you're right here, oh, we're going to start with you. So I just want you to share about a time that you walked through suffering. And then we're just going to do them two in one, okay? How you saw the Lord work in and through it now when you look back. Now when I look back. Um, there was a couple of different, like when you went and you first brought this to me, there was a couple of different things that came to my mind. Like I've been through a couple of different things. I think one of the main things that set me on the track that I am now, it didn't send me to directly get saved, but looking back on it, it affected me every major way was, um, a, a really close friend of mine was, he was like murdered right in front of me. You know, like, and it was like, it happened across the street from where we played football, where we grew up. You know, it wasn't supposed to happen the way it happened. That's what everybody says. But um, it did. And, and, like, to be honest, at that moment, I wasn't saved. I wasn't thinking about God, I wasn't praying, I was not saved at all. And honestly, I went, I spiraled down the wrong path. Like I was still doing what I was doing. I was smoking weed to cope, I'm drinking liquor. I'm just doing what I'm doing. I'm just chilling, just trying to go through to the next day. You know, I'm just trying to get paid, whatever. And to be real, even like, Things happening after that didn't lead me to God. It wasn't until I woke up one morning and I, I saw like the spiral. I saw who I was and I was just like, this can't be it. And for to have that kind of like awakening, it couldn't happen to anyone but God. You know, like a lot of people get stuck thinking or believing or feeling a certain way. And a lot of times they feel like they can justify it. Like, I, I feel like I could still justify it even though it's not right. And um, just like all the terrible decisions I made after that, all the dominoes that lined up after that that fell down, like the fact that I'm still alive is crazy by itself. So that also had to be God as well. Then, you know, when I when I did get saved, I was able to I'm just able to use that as a testimony and just like talk about how 
I came from that and I and, and made a change and now we're still trying to grow, right? Because once you decide to follow Christ, it's the beginning of the journey. But emotionally, physically, mentally, like there was no way I would have made it out of that unless God was there. And I didn't like see that until after I came back to Christ, after I gave my life back to Christ um, a couple of years ago. Um, but yeah. So a follow-up question. Long story short. Long story short. <laughs> would you say that experience, and you said you've been through a couple, would you say that influences the way that you do your music? 100%. That's 100%. Because I don't, if I can stop one person from living that reality, I would. Even though sometimes God allows it, you know, things to happen. So you can see things differently. Like, I wasn't never going to see things. If if I didn't go through what I went through, I was never going to see things differently. And I'm so confident in that. Like, I was not going to see things differently. <laughs> I have goosebumps thinking about that. You know, because how wild is it that this far later, you can look back and see, man, like, it's what it took. And And, you know, I don't think, like, the, the Lord was happy that that's what it took. You know what I mean? Like, he takes no joy in that. And in the end, it was for your good and he was glorified. Because look at you now. Right. And, like, and even now, we don't have all the answers, right? Because even for me to sit there and just be like, yeah, I agree, it's hard yeah. for me to say that. I, I don't, I, you know, God's continuously working. But what I can say is, you make the, you know, the decisions now, hopefully guided by the Holy Spirit to affect, you know, the outcome. So I have to, I wake up every morning to choose Jesus for the better, you see what I'm saying? And like, that's, that's the part that, where he will always get glory, you know. That's good. So. Yeah. Thank you for sharing, TJ. I know that's hard. Judith Edward, what you got? Can you Edward. Can you I ask? say it so fast. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> Can you ask a question again? My, my thoughts together. <laughs> so the question was: Think about a time in your life that you've walked through su- a time that you've walked <laughs> through suffering, and um, now how you can look back at it and see how the Lord moved in and through it. If you don't got a story, I got a couple of your stories. I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a couple. No. <laughs> um, so yeah, so so I was born with a chronic illness called sickle cell, um, and. So, like, fresh out the womb, day one, they diagnosed me. My doctor's always asking, when were you diagnosed? Day one. Um, and so, just a lifetime of just dealing with this has, it's, I, I, I um, always think about it as, like, how I've dealt with it before I started following Christ and after. And before Christ, like, I was just bitter. I was just you know, everything that I did, I would just, like, every time I would go through a, a moment of suffering, um, I would just, my heart would just get harder and harder towards God. Um, I grew up in church, and those sayings of just, like, just pray. Like, listen, I've been praying for healing. I've been praying for the pain to stop. I've been praying to not to have to go to these doctors every week since, like, the moment I was born, since the moment I knew what praying was, and yet I'm still here. And so, like, that caused a lot of church hurt for me. Um, but, in 20, so 2017, I just had, like, a lot of heartbreak. Um, a couple family members had died. Um, well, one family member passed away, and another one, a friend of mine, passed away as well. And um, those two things, because 
they were one of them, my, my cousin, she was 22, um, and she was always healthy. And she went into the hospital the day after her birthday, 22 years old, and she died of a brain tumor that they had no idea was there. Um, and then um, a friend of mine passed, committed suicide. And, and so I remember just sitting there, like, I'm, and, and it was crazy, it was crazy to me because I had a death sentence since the second I was born. No one thought I would live past, past one, you know, no one thought I would live past five and I'm 30, 31. Um, <laughs> and so that's all, that's, <laughs> and that's all because of God. And so like, I, I remember that moment when I was just think like I was, I was in this like back and forth with, I would go to church, but I wouldn't really live for God because I was just so angry with him for giving me this so-called sentence. Um, and um, I just remember asking him like, why would you take them? Like, I was the one that was supposed to go. Like, I was ready. You know what I mean? I never was supposed to live past, you know, 25. And I don't know if you guys know that Kanye song, but <laughs> there's a lyric that says, I was supposed to make it about 25, jokes on you, we're still alive. And, like, I live at that ever since I turned 25. I loved it. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, it was just, like, crazy to me because, like, these people were gone, but I was still here. And I just remember, so I just, I remember going through this, like, process of just searching God and asking him why I was still here. And, um, a year later, this was in 2017, so in 2018, um, I had this moment where, well, I got really, really sick. I ended up back in the hospital, and um, it was like double pneumonia, and it was just something that I've gone through a lot of times, and so I remember um, I was in there for eight days, walked out the next day, and, you know, started going back to my normal routine, and um, within, like, maybe a couple hours, I, I had, like, chest pain, and long story short, I almost died all this crazy stuff happened, but that's where I met God for real, because I was supposed to die. Like, the, literally doctors, I go to that hospital still, and doctors will say, like, I don't know how you're standing right now. I don't know, like, like how you're still breathing, and it's all by the glory of God. And so um, even earlier this year, I had, well, at, towards the end of last year, earlier this year, I had um, another episode, and I was sick for a very long time. Um, and um, it kept getting worse, and every time I would try to like, go to my doctors, there was no solution um, that they could think of, and it started affecting my mental health to the point where like, it was, I just got to a really, really dark place, but how I handled it was completely different because of who God was and who God was in my life at that point, and so I was at a point where like, literally I, I couldn't think of one reason to keep going besides God, you know? And I remember just laying there in like hurt, complete hurt, complete depression, and um, God's presence just like sustaining me through every moment. And I'm just so grateful because like nothing could have gotten me through that but God. And um, so like suffering, and I just, even coming out of that, just him teaching me how to like, how to trust him even deeper because I felt in that moment, I felt like I lost everything. I, I, I felt like, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't continue to move forward in, in a lot of the ways that I wanted to. And I was just, I was just stuck. And, you know, him just being there for me, reminding me of scripture when I wasn't even opening my word because I couldn't, you know what I mean? And just showing up every, every day for me, um, even when I didn't deserve it, like it just, that just blew my mind and showed me his character even deeper and, made, and, and, and taught me how to trust him deeper because like 
when I felt like no, no one was there, God was. And that was literally more than enough. And, and it was the first time in my life I really felt like what being anchored in Christ through the storm felt like. And it was really beautiful for me to experience that. So I'm grateful for it, even though it was, it was hard. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I have no follow-up questions. <laughs> well, one, just one quick thing. Judith, did the Lord do anything cool, like, physically in your world recently? Oh, yeah. Okay. okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> just real quick. Just so, real quick. Yeah. So, like, the Lord provided me with a job and a new apartment. So, like, all God. So great, grateful. So grateful. Yeah. So, coming through. He's always coming through. And I'm so grateful. Amen. Brian Saylor. <laughs> quick, quick, quick story about Judith. Uh, <laughs> when, uh. Like, I guess I don't remember ex- like exactly when, but over the past like like six months or so, like you had kind of mentioned, you had kind of had like sort of a time of going through like an intense sickness. And obviously like, you know, Tara told me and I'd heard about it. And so like I was like texted you one day and I was like, like, hey, like, how's it going? And you're like, I'm feeling like so much better. And I was like, that's great. And like, I, I like asked you like, I was like, hey, like, or like, I, it's like, are you, you know, you're scheduled to serve, like, on Thursday. Like, are you still going to be able to come in and serve? Or do you want me to, like, you know, find somebody else? And you're like, I got this. I'm coming in. I think it was, like, a Tuesday. And then, like, I go in and talk to Tara. And she's like, yeah, Judith's in the hospital right now. <laughs> like, Judith, you're not doing better. You're in the hospital, okay? <laughs> yeah, it's okay. That's good. Name it, name it, claim it. Yeah, speak your truth. Um, no, I just thought that was really funny. So you can, you're allowed. You're allowed to just say, you, I can't serve him in the hospital. But, okay, good. Okay, cool. Yeah. So you heard it here first. Serving heals you. So text, text to serve. I don't know. I got nothing. It's all you, Brian. All right. I guess we're done for the evening. I don't know. I think I'm that one. Um, yeah, no, I was I was thinking about this question, um, and uh, yeah, I think that the two things that came to mind that I wanted to share about was, I think like when I think about like challenging times or like times of suffering that I've walked through in my life, um, one thing is just like the suffering of like waiting for something that uh, God has like put on your heart. And the way God works in my life a lot is that I think he, like, gives me, like, a dream or, like, a vision for, like, what something could be in the future. But then there's, like, typically a pretty long, like, gap between, like, when, like, man, like, I really would be excited to see this happen and when it actually, like, happens. And I think the challenge of that is that, like, you know, it's, like, day to day you wouldn't say, like, it's this like insane agony and pain, but I think there's this like monotony of it, of like learning how to like be faithful in the, the day-to-day and learning how to be present and be grateful and be thankful in the day-to-day, even when you're praying for something in the future that hasn't yet happened. And, uh, and that's, uh, and, and sometimes even like wondering like, will this thing that God has placed on my heart, like, am I just dreaming it up? Am I just imagining it? Maybe it'll never happen. And, uh, and I think that is, like, hugely a form 
of, of suffering that we go through. Um, and I would say for me, having gone through that process a couple of times, it has really deeply taught me that to like trust God and to, I think God has like made me like a calmer and more peaceful person through that process of when a challenge happens, when a storm hits, like not to panic because like I've seen God's faithfulness in the past and I've seen how he's come through in the past. And so I have those like moments and those memories to like pull back on and remember um, when, when that happened. Um, so that's one thing I think is just like waiting and like the, the challenge or even the suffering of waiting and seeing God's faithfulness. Um, and then, I mean, there have been times in my life where, I mean, like everyone in this room, I, I'm, I mean, like, like TJ and Judith, like Tara, like if anyone else was up here, like you, like, like just really like hard things, difficult things, horrible things. Um, in a couple of years ago, one of the hardest things that like, um, that, ha- that, I, that I had to walk through with, with uh, my family was, was someone from, uh, from my like extended family tried to take their own life. And a bunch of us were in the house and I remember like literally like, you know, running up the stairs and like just not even like, don't know what, what, what I'm gonna encounter up there. Um, and, uh, and those moments are, are really hard, and I think each one of us have had moments like that in life where, like, life has truly, like, hit us in that way. Um, and I, I think, at least for me in that moment, like, um, to, to quote another C.S. Lewis quote, you know, that um, C.S. Lewis says, like, that, you know, like, God, um, and I, I'm going to butcher this quote, but that God, like, whispers in our pleasure, but he shouts in our pain, and that there are these moments where when we are in a, a place of just deep pain, of deep agony, um, that we have an opportunity to place our hearts before the Lord in a way that, like, um, that, that we, we can't in other ways. And it's weird because I, I really feel like it's almost like there's this, like, indescribable comfort that God can bring in the middle of that pain, it's, it's not like easy, but it, there's this indescribable comfort that God can bring. Um, and uh, it's just amazing. Like, like, like Psalm 73, there's, there's a moment in Psalm 73 where, where the, the author writes like, who do I have in heaven but you? And there is no one on earth that I have besides you. And like when we get to that place where it's like, man, there, there really isn't anything but God that I have right now. Like that is where God can make himself just incredibly real. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I, I, uh, th- those are the two things that come to my mind. Um, and just one more thing I'll add, you know, J- Judith mentioned, you know, her, like your, your cousin, it was it that took, took his, took his life. And then obviously I just mentioned it in my story. And obviously I don't know every person in here, what everybody's going through in here, but I do think it's important when we talk about these subjects um, just, just to acknowledge that people are going through very challenging seasons and that there even could be people in here that, that are having those thoughts of like, man, like maybe 
my life is not worth living or maybe it would be better without me or whatever. And, and I just want to be a voice. And I think everybody up here would want to be a voice and say, like, you do matter. And, uh, and we, uh, like, like, God loves you. We love you. Um, and and um, we, 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 like, d- don't leave. Don't, don't, don't do that. Um, because uh, you, you're, you're valuable and you're really important. And uh, this season that you're in right now, if, if it is a season where you feel that way, it, it's not going to feel that way forever. Um, the pain or the, 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 the hurt that's going on in, in your mind or your body right now, it's, it's a season. And uh, don't make a permanent decision for something that is temporary. And, and come talk to me. Come talk to Tara. And, uh, and we, can, we can help connect you with some resources that will help move you forward um, and, and, and move past that. Because, like we said, Jesus loves you so much. We love you so much. That's a really good word. Thank you for sharing that. Um, guys, thank you for coming up and sharing your stories with us. Could we just clap for them? Say thank you. Um, <clears throat> Megan, and Sh- Megan and Shay, if you want to start heading up here. Um, I just want to clarify because I feel like I misspoke, TJ. I just want to clarify what I was saying was you and your friends suffered because of somebody else's sin, right? And you can look back and see, even it was horrific, even though it was horrific, you can see how the Lord has used it in your life, right? I didn't want to come across like I was saying, God said this is good because it's not. It's not. Thanks so much for spending time with us. If you'd like to know more about The Harbor, please follow us on Instagram at wearetheharbor. Also, if you need prayer, feel free to send us a DM. Otherwise, tune in next time.